there are many ways in which we play it safe. We play it safe by delaying projects. We play it safe by taking our minds very seriously. And sometimes we play it safe by striving for perfection. My guest today is Janice Ozolins, a visual illustrator. In this episode, Janice and I chat about his creative process and we talk in detail about how to handle perfectionistic actions or perfectionistic urges. You are going to hear both of us sharing our take on what perfectionism is, whether perfectionism is a bad thing or if striving for perfection is a toxic trait or is perfectionism an angel. You are also going to listen to how Janice does his best work while navigating self-doubt, criticizing thoughts, and a push to do things right and perfectly. This conversation isn't about productivity per se. It's more about how we can be our best creative selves while navigating internal conflicts when doing what matters to us. Janice also shares how he handles negative feedback when sharing his illustrations on his platform. And you will also hear what drives Janice's visual work and the principles or constraints, as he calls them, to create his visuals. I absolutely love this conversation and it was special to have a chance to chat with Janice. You can go to the website www.thisisdrz.com to get access to all the resources that we share in this episode. Here is the episode and I hope you enjoy it. I leave you with a quote by Jim Carrey. You can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. One of the things that I remember from your work last year is how you talk about perfectionists and the perfectionistic monster. And I'm wondering if we can chat a little bit about it. How do you see it? How did you come up with the idea and the concept? Yeah, that was around the time when I started to, I was doing visuals for a bit of a while, but I was still trying to find out my thing. My work was similar to the visualized value, which is very like geometrical and things like that. And I started to move and lean into more to a visuals, like where I talk about like emotions. And I thought maybe I could bring in some characters and just make it more fun and so on. And uh, I remember that, that there is this great TED Talk from Tim Urban, which is like my all-time favorite TED Talk okay. about, uh, it was about procrastination, I think. Exactly. And, and he had, yeah, and he has, he have these characters as well, which was like instant gratification monkey. And then, then there was this panic monster and something like that. And from there, like this idea got born because a lot of my work evolved around like creativity and creative struggles and so on. Because when I was like aspiring creator, perfectionism is one of the things which is like close to me. I, I usually, I feel like I need to get this right and so on and all the like things that most of us kind of experience. And from there, just this idea came that, okay, in my visuals, I could bring in, I could create this character, which could be perfectionist monster. And then he shows up in these, a lot of different situations and so on. And yeah, I kind of liked it and seemed that people resonated with that as well. So that's how it originated. And yeah, now I'm not using it that much, but yeah, it's a good experience. It seems that we started because of your own experience, right? So how do you handle those thoughts today? 
you're still creating a lot of beautiful visuals and your visuals are really unique because you are translating concepts into a, an image and an illustration. But I'm sure the mind still tells you, what if I don't get this right? What if this is wrong? How do you manage those thoughts these days? Oh, those that that feeling is still there. It always have been. I believe I'm just now managing it a bit better. And I think one one, one thing which I tend to say, and I like to think that a lot of people are really demonizing, you know, perfectionism. That this like super bad thing. And oh my god, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm screwed for life. <laughs> and I don't think uh, that's actually the case. It's a good. It means you, you want to do a good job. Of course, there's a lot of bad in it and so on. But give credit to yourself that that it means you want to bring quality and so. On. So that's good. Just a nice framing, not to demonize really perfectionism and more frame it. I'm somebody who wants to bring like good stuff in the world. But at the same time, of course, you can't justify your own bullshit and so on, because you can say that you need to get this thing perfect and it might be 10 years later and you have not published anything and you're just like knowing that it's not working out. So talking a bit about like more some specific tactics and ideas how I go about this and what initially really helped me. Initially, what really helped me is that I had a friend who was doing his own thing. And we had this challenge previous year where we had a simple like physical exercise. I will do 50 push-ups, and he will do some other other physical exercises. And we basically report each other each day. Did you did it or did you not do it? If you did not did it, you send the other person uh, $1. So that was the idea. Yeah. And We did that for the whole year and it was like really successful. We just skipped maybe from the whole year, maybe, I don't know, 20 days or 30 days or something like that, because it's still really good. And so that like the next year I decided, okay, I will add to this challenge that I will publish one visual. So that was a new constraint to have to really push myself to deliver and to publish this visual. So this external accountability is really helpful, but of course, I think we need to be careful with that tactic because it tends to backfire. You might think that, okay, I want to publish this. So now I will tell the world that I will do this and this will be out in a week. And then you maybe you have overestimated your capabilities or something and you get a lot of anxiety and so on. So it's a balance that it needs to be balanced, in my opinion. And without that daily consistency, another thing which happened when at least my creative career started to progress and I was publishing more and so on, there was really, I still remember, there was really this feeling, this internal feeling of, okay, Yanis, the things you did before have not worked out. It's time to stop justifying your own bullshit and really commit to this. Commit, give it a try. Stop doing the things you did before, which didn't work, which was very, like perfectionism was a big part of it previously. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I silenced that a bit and leaned in more into a type of like consistency and things like that. So yeah, and the final thing that comes to mind, which is more like tactical, is to really understand what are you doing? Are you doing tweets, Instagram posts, maybe podcasts, which are like simple things that can be iterated and they will be quickly forgotten and they can be updated later, especially on Twitter. Like something that I teach in my like course community as well to people is that this looks good. I understand it. It's a solid idea. Illustrate that there are places for improvement, ship it, publish it, and go back to this idea after a month, update it, improve it. uh, And it's like more content for you. Your audience will still appreciate it because 
they have forgot the idea and you have just improved it and take it from there. So can understand what are you doing and where are you doing it? Of course, if you are publishing a book that you think will be next atomic habits and it's something like you have worked on three years, of course, it makes sense to put in a bit more time and so on. But of course, still, you need those deadlines. So it's a balance and to understand like, where are you publishing it? Is it like a tweet or is it a book or, or something? If I can step back a little bit, I appreciate a lot this frame of mind you have. We don't have to demonize perfectionistic actions. I think many times we have been thinking of perfectionists as this evil, this demon that has to be eliminated. But reality, as you're saying, I think is that when people deeply care about what you're doing, of course you want to get it right. There is a value behind trying to do things right and trying to have a cool illustration and paying attention to details. The challenge is when we don't check how it's working in our life, how it's working in our creative work, how it's working in the book I'm trying to write. I tend to think more of how we can harness the goodness and the golden nuggets from perfectionistic actions without losing ourselves, which is what you're doing. You have managed the rhythm for you. So I think that flexible approach makes a huge difference. Honoring that you're prone to try to get things right and perfect, and yet you're choosing to keep moving instead of getting stuck in your head. Yeah, I, I really like that you said like kind of the word rhythm and trying to find your balance because it. I think it is a delicate balance. And I believe... I, be, I assume that there are quite a lot of people who are, there's a lot of these advice around perfectionism around there, just chip it and whatever, don't give an action and so on. And it's hard it, if, if people don't really believe that it's very hard for them. They just, I don't know, they might follow that advice, but they might end up feeling like shit or I don't know. But of course, there's on the other hand, you know, after 30 days, you, may, you might realize that, okay, actually, this is rather simple. It's completely fine. Nothing like uh, terrible happened and you maybe adapt this new identity. So I don't know, just some thoughts. But I really like the fact that you said like rhythm and balance and finding your thing. Yeah, I think what you're raising is that not everything is going to work for everyone our rhythms and how much degree of uncertainty and fear is going to be, I think, a variable. So when you are sharing your graphics these days, do you have any thoughts about what if people don't like it? What if they think it's not a good illustration? Of course, there are those thoughts. And yeah, after you publish a lot of work and after you gain some traction and you get some eyeballs to your work and so on, what you really understand at least what i understand is that it's very hard to predict what you think is good or what you think is perfect and what you think will really like whatever go viral or will be super appreciated by people it's often not the case it's i have been so many times where i quickly put something together and i really don't like it but it's okay whatever let's just push it out and i push it out and like people oh my god this is amazing awesome best thing ever like your best visual uh, and on the other side when i'm just like spending half a day and really polishing everything and thinking oh this is clever this is just like the best thing i've ever produced and it's like flops and people don't really uh, understand it or engage with it so that's definitely with with practice comes this experience and you better understand that you can't really rely I think I recently actually listened to some podcast or something where they said that 
you, you need to fire yourself as being a judge of your work or something like that. I like the idea that you fire yourself. You just produce, push it out in the world and then let, let other people or other people judge it. Um, That's really tough because it basically means that you have to learn to sit with uncertainty. You do not know how people are going to respond and we don't have control of that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. But I, I think back to your question where you said that do I do I like fear that somebody will don't like? Of course, I fear everybody probably fears a bit, but it's it's not a dominating, let's say, fear or anything like that. I think what's helpful is that, at least to me, that I have some of these constraints I have developed for myself, just some mental, I, I don't know if they are mental models or not, but basically, what, let's say, one of the principles I have is that in general, I don't if we talk about now like Twitter or Instagram, I don't post quite a lot. It's still daily, but some people would say, oh, you need to like post or 10 or three times a day or something like that. But then one of the framings that I have in my mind, which I try to follow at least 80% of the time, is that I want people to have this impression. When Giannis posts something, I know it's good. I will lean in. I will appreciate the visual because I know Giannis is not, not wasting my time. He's not like throwing every shit against the wall and see it if it sticks and so on is trying to do decent work yeah again this is a bit of perfectionism as you can hear it at the same time but but that's kind of my thing and i think it's helpful that you develop these rules for yourself they can be whatever type of rules figure out on your own but you don't let the fear guide you but you let those rules or or constraints you have created kind of guide you and yeah tell what's good and bad Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you're thinking about this you're calling them like constraints or rules i tend to think more in terms of values it looks like behind this this thought that says i want people to know that i'm trying to contribute and create solid content it seems that that's the value right like that's your commitment it's not to go along with a fear or trying to get it right and perfect but the value is to create this illustration that has more specialized content or that has like richness and it has good quality is that fair instead of just creating for creating something that may not make a difference yeah i guess it's more it's it's more about so people don't feel that they have consumed my stuff and they feel that they have wasted time maybe you have created like super whatever i don't know but yeah i i guess another aspect of my rules is that i try always to filter things like I look what I like. When I go to Twitter, what I like, for example, one, one example is Julian Shapiro. He writes things and he's one of the guys who like, again, he posts like almost like once or twice a week and he has a couple blog posts on his, on his website and so on, but his stuff is really good. Whenever he posts, I'm like, I'm always, I'm glued. I know this guy is not wasting my time. Of course, I understand the context. Maybe it's something that I'm not interested in, but I know he put in the work kind of to deliver good stuff. So I really pay attention to what I like and what I dislike. And I try to please myself in some sort of way, you know, mm-hmm. you, you people who just shout out whatever their feelings every day and just this build in public vibe, which is totally cool. And I love that as well. Yeah. So you, I, I think it's nice that you understand what you like and what you appreciate from others. And it, I believe it might be something similar. That's something similar you want to create as well. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, let me just push a little bit back. I gather that that's what is important for you, that people know that Janice is creating something that is not a waste of my time. 
But how could you possibly know? Because we don't have control of how people respond, what they think, or what they like. When you are creating something, it's such a subjective experience that people are going to have. Well, this, of course, yeah. You know, this change, and this is a hard question. And I'm definitely not saying that this is the way to go or something like that. I'm just trying more to explain how I think about things. And I guess it's, I don't know, another aspect would be, am I proud? That's another question I would ask I would ask myself. And I always allow myself, it's fine, stay consistent, and that's super important and so on. But I don't want to, let's see, if we imagine a dial where I'm like super proud of myself, what I'm putting out and where I'm not really proud of what I'm producing, try to keep that dial more on the, more on the side where you're like proud of yourself. But of course, don't don't let it be an excuse to produce nothing. So again, it's all about balance. I'm super into this balance type of thing. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah. We start talking about some of these constraints that you have put for yourself so you can keep creating and managing some of these proneness to perfectionism. Any other constraint or rule that you have for your creative work? Well, of course, there is. When we talk about visuals, there are constraints like line thickness and brushes I use and colors I use and things like that. Some design constraints that is, of course, very helpful if you at least produce visuals, in my opinion. But other than that, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like rules and these constraints and so on. But at the same time, I think I'm a super... I really follow my instincts and my gut and my feelings. I'm really that type of guy, I would say. So... So it's hard to bring out of me any like super solid structure. You might today ask me this question and I answer you this bullshit answer. And after (laughs) two months, I will tell you something completely different because I'm like always changing and adapting and just going with my feelings. And uh, yeah, I have some rules, but, but those are... Yeah, it's hard. I don't have a solid rules. That that would be the answer. You yeah, know? Yeah. Well, well, I appreciate that you are dancing with the process. Um, if we can talk a little bit about your creative process, I have absolutely loved all your illustrations. They always get me thinking. What's your creative process? How do you come up with an idea? How do you work with it before it gets published? Thank you for the kind words <laughs> first of all uh, one thing i really realized that really is critical for if you are in content creation world is to take notes and note down these ideas so one thing which i do is that when i go through my day i i turn a bit up my like awareness dial and i really try to pay attention to feelings I experience or just some interesting things that happen because a lot of my content and one of the things which I would say I differentiate myself with from a lot of other kind of creators is that I'm often talk about these emotions and feelings and some hidden truths that we don't really talk about and so on. So it's important to know those things that I don't know, maybe after this meeting, I will have the, okay, I had this conversation. I had this podcast interview. I felt you may be a bit stressed or something, you know, let me just know this down and work with this idea. Maybe I can uncover something that a lot of other people feel and then I can somehow maybe illustrate that or communicate that. So then other people see this post and they're like, oh, Giannis gets me, you know, I've mm-hmm. been in that situation and so on. So a lot of my illustrations is a lot uh, around these like hidden truths, I would call them, or just mm-hmm. these emotions on feelings. 
And of course, you better regular stuff. Listen to books, listen to podcasts, take notes. Yeah, just I snap a pictures. As I'm in the visual game, I often use like metaphors and interesting analogies. So I go by my day and just I see maybe some interesting thing in the kitchen and I, I will just snap a picture because I have some idea that this thing could be that and whatever. This is some sort of filter or whatever. I always have these random ideas. So taking notes is a very critical part of it. And afterwards, it's mostly, it's just, it's work. I have the, I would say another thing, which if it might be helpful to somebody, somebody listening is in the content creation game. Another thing I think a lot of people do, but what in my opinion is very useful to have is that often we have this, some sort of idea, then Mm -hmm. we just write the idea, we visualize the idea, and then we publish, you know, I had the idea, I published the idea, but I think a very important aspect to do is when you start working with that idea and when you are polishing and then working with it is to understand what is the feeling I would like to evoke from my reader? What is the emotion Yeah, I would like to just do I want with this post for others to experience this relatability? Do I want to empower them to think about their past or future in this sort of way? So you know, always have this intention, what I want the end reader to have feel experience and that really helps with the like working with idea process in my world that's that's yeah i don't know if you have any follow-up questions but that's a bit about my process of course it's all over the place it's messy it's not straightforward (laughs) but but those are the key aspects of it i would say i don't think it's messy i think it's very fluid right so taking notes capturing moments of your life that you get curious or what you notice And then asking yourself, what's the feeling I would like this to evoke? Now, I do have follow-up questions. Once you get a sense, let's say that you want to evoke a peaceful feeling, and you are creating the illustration, how many times do you iterate? How many times do you edit? And when do you know that it's good enough, that it's ready to publish? It's hard to tell. I, I think it's mostly, again, it's gut instinct. You know, early on, maybe I had a friend to whom I send the visual and then I get the response. But it, there is, I would say there is, there are two important points in my work that I pay a, a big attention. It's like almost like a checklist, which I, at least it's like a mental checklist that I try to follow. Um, and one of them is the idea communicated clearly. Like if I will show this to my wife is honey, do you get this? And if I see, okay, bad, need to redo <laughs> something. If it's, oh yeah, I get it completely. Okay. That's good. That, that checkbox is a mark. Then the next one is kind of went blank a bit, but another concept I think about is like amplifying ideas because, mm. and it's different. Amplifying ideas would be something when, if I'm illustrating a quote or something, I don't want just to illustrate the quote and say the exact same thing that the quote is representing. I would like to add something. And then I ask this question, am I adding something to this idea? Am I just going like extra mile and making people think or something? So that's another aspect which I try to follow. Oh yeah. And the kind of third one, which is almost like the most important one, one is clarity. And the second one, I don't know if you have read or heard, but it's a nice marketing book, which is called the story brand uh, by Donald Miller, cool no, guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's very interesting because it talks about marketing, but in a way how like these uh, famous movies are created. 
basically how they follow the script, the villain and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they bring that concept to marketing, but whatever that on the side, one of, one of the things that this guy is talking about is when you are creating, let's say ads, you need to understand that your reader is burning calories while like he is consuming this ad and you want to deliver your message. You want to make them thrive and survive with the least amount of calories burned. So this concept is something I apply to visuals as well. I want you to deliver this idea as soon as possible, as fast as I can with burning your calories um, the least amount of possible. Uh, Yeah, the least amount of possible. But yeah, and I think this concept is really really important especially for creators who are like me in the early stages Mm -hmm. because when your credibility is really low online and if you want to break through visuals is something that really i think helps to do this and if you're able to communicate interesting ideas really fast people usually will stop and they will appreciate even if your credibility is low of course if you're like tim ferris or some super crazy famous guy Everybody will go and read your uh, 300 page blog post, but that's a different story. You need to get there. Um, Those are really cool principles. Is it clear? Am I conveying an idea clear? Um, is the reader or the viewer or whoever watches my illustration consuming as the least amount of calories as possible? And then am I amplifying the idea or am I just saying the same thing? If I can ask a little bit, given all the hundreds of graphics and illustrations you have created for months by now, which ones are the ones that speak to your heart, the ones that you're proud of? I guess there are a lot of ones and they depends on the context and depends on the day where you're asking on like maybe <laughs> uh, yeah, on, on, on some different principles. Uh, I guess there are several who speaks to me in some sort of way, maybe there was some event or something. But I think one of my really my favorite ones, which I'm proud of this concept, which is one of my most like viral visuals as well, was about the cheese, which is you have this big block of cheese, and then you have the little part of cheese, and then you have slice of cheese. And the idea was that you slice and start. And the big cheese was a dream. And then the middle cheese was a project and the slice was a task. So that was an interesting concept that came to my mind. I was just sitting on the kitchen's floor playing with my kids. And I don't know, somehow it came to my mind that I wanted to communicate this idea of, of that you can achieve your dreams by maybe slicing it up into several projects or something like that. And then later on, I was working with this and I thought, oh, maybe I could add task as well. And it would be like three parts. So it was even cooler. And yeah, that idea was really cool to to make it because I, I thought it was quite clever and it's just it's just clever. cool kind of kind of true yeah instead of talking about how you can start small and tidbits you actually create a super cool concept it's a clever one which one is the one one of the illustrations that, that you sometimes think oh man i can't believe it i did this i'm sure there are uh, i guess most of them are when i have when I have skipped on the clarity part, because sometimes mm. it's nothing is like super disappointing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I guess there have been some illustrations, which I cannot recall, which triggered an interesting discussions, which was like, maybe it was like, huh, 
turns out like people interpreted this in a different way, which was maybe not offended, just they were a bit trashing me. I was like, I was not offended. I was like, oh, interesting, but that's really cool. But yeah, that was not the point. I guess the most disappointing ones are the ones where where clarity is missing. That's usually when you go into your head and in your little bubble and you have thought about this idea for a very long time and you think it's super clear in your head, of course, because you've thought about it for days and then you push it out to the world and people are not really getting it because they just come from a fresh perspective and you have been too much in your bubble and mm-hmm. sometimes you miss the clarity part and, and then just people are confused and they zoom out. But yeah, I don't know. Not really disappointed. It's been a great journey. <laughs> I can see that. I have seen your work evolving, evolving and getting more and more popular as the time passes by. Um, if I can ask about this, how do you separate people's reactions from your creative process? And I'm asking because when we're putting something out in the world, whether that's an illustration, a concept, a book, um, we do it because we deeply care about the idea. Uh, and sometimes it's like our little babies. They're so precious that it's unavoidable that at some point someone may not like them, may criticize, and we feel like, oh my gosh, even though we try. How do you separate the people's reactions or perceptions of your work so it doesn't affect in a negative way? That you can listen to it, get feedback and have a conversation, but it doesn't take into a comparison mode or self-doubt mode. Good question. And I think overall, I've experienced very positive feedback. And one of the aspects is there has been some negative feedback. Yeah, there definitely has been. And of course, it gets to you. And you know, these negatives, they always get to us, at least for the most people. It's just unavoidable. We're uh, We're humans. Yes, exactly. We're humans. But the main thing is just, okay, I'm experiencing that emotion. It's completely fine. And I always look at tons of positive comments or whatever, and I lean into that. And I don't know, this is maybe a, a shitty thing to think about people. But usually when people are really trashing or if I feel that they come from a very dark place or so on, Mostly yeah. I feel like a bit sorry for them because I think maybe they have some shitty situation in life or something that I have no idea about and they are just in a bad mood. So I approach this with some sort of empathy that, yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. love and kindness always wins. So, so yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. It doesn't really affect me that much, but I'm not experiencing it that much as well. So who knows how it will evolve. Of course, it gets to me. I think it gets to most people, but it's just treating it understanding that those emotions are there but treating it with a logical sense that okay this is one comment from like million positive comments and la 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 la, and just you calm down in two days and everything is good i love the la 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 la. yeah I, i love it i think you're saying something very powerful which is accepting the emotion noticing the feeling without taking action you can have the feeling of disappointment hurt and keeping in context, it's coming from this place and sometimes having this compassionate take of whoever may have posed something negative. So I absolutely love that. I think what is tricky is when we experience these negative emotions or uncomfortable emotions and we dwell on them. Right? We start ruminating about them or we try to suppress them quickly. Then it doesn't give us room to just let us see with the discomfort that comes with anything that we do. So I think it's super cool that you're actually living that. Um, how did you learn that frame of just noticing the feeling, keeping things in context, and moving on? What was your process there? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I guess all my life I've been more like a bit of a emotional type of guy and just, I don't know, after four or five years ago when I got really into self-development and just consumed a lot of books and a lot of wisdom and so on, I guess some of those lessons just land to you about this kind of, especially, specifically about this emotional type of thing. When I got my kids, I started to read a bit these parenting books and that is something that parenting books talk a lot about about this acknowledging feelings and glad they, the feelings exist and exactly as you said not to suppress them immediately and so on that feelings are just feelings they are not usually good or bad and so on so i believe i believe a lot comes from there as well that's my initial thoughts on this that's beautiful is there any book in self-development or self-growth that has made a difference for you it depends again. Okay. Mm-hmm. If there is one that have really changed my life, of course, I need to mention my first one, which was the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, wow. because previously I didn't read books at all. I was just, I'm not a reader, not something I do. And I kind of, I still don't really read that much. I mostly listen to books, just cheating, but whatever <laughs> you get the knowledge. And yeah, Tim Ferriss, it was really, I still remember four or five years ago, I was standing in my bedroom, listening to that book. I was, I think two hours in mm-hmm. and to this day i remember it was like a complete epiphany i understood holy shit Giannis, you've been such an idiot in terms that i thought i was i don't know 24 or 25 years old i thought like i got life i know things i'm pretty smart and so on and then i realized that holy shit there's so much amazing information now there's so much to learn and so on and and that was just the initial domino that kind of kicked off this love for the self-development and so on so yeah that book really changed my life in that sense as it was the first one but i think the one which i have shared the most with my friends is actually anything you want by derek sivers Mm. it's actually you can read it for free derek sivers is a philosopher entrepreneur previously and it's a super short book it's like audio because one and a half hours and it has these cool stories, interesting. It's not like I agree with everything that is in that book, but it's it's inspiring and cool with interesting novel ideas. And it's just, yeah, short and very to the point. So that I usually share with my friends. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. The only reason why I'm asking is because we live at a time in which being happy and bubbly, it's very popular. It's in to always be a bit. But to be human is to struggle, to get worried, to be anxious, to feel disappointed. And I think learning how to manage those emotions without being consumed by them, manage them effectively, it can be liberating because then we're not puppets of the emotion or these thoughts. Now we're running out of time. So I have one more question for you. If you were to have a cup of coffee or tea or a scotch with someone you want, any person, who will that be and why? Okay. With any person. So this is a big opportunity. So I need to think about dead or alive. Either death or alive. It's up to you. Someone that you are curious about having a chat with today. It's a tricky question. It's a tricky question. (laughs) There's a lot. It would be interesting probably to talk with my mother's grandmother. Mm -hmm. Because I know she have talked that she have taught her a lot of good things and said a lot of good things about. So that would be interesting and cool. At the same time, I know Elon Musk would be a big deal. I love that guy. <laughs> He's so funny. Um, 
I don't know. I've always find, regardless that Steve Jobs has done a lot of weird things and so on, I really appreciate him as a visionary and an entrepreneur. That would be an interesting chat. So yeah, I don't know. Those initial thoughts that I, <laughs> that I have. And actually, I don't know. Having living with two kids now and, and with all the COVID and restrictions and not going to not going to kindergarten that much, I'm I'm really appreciating when I have time to sit down with my wife and have coffee as well. So yeah, it's a lot of options here. <laughs> I see that. It's true. Our lives have been restricted. So let's dream about who we can have coffee with. I love the person I'm living with. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Janice, thank you so much for making the time to chat with me and share all these insights about your creative process and how you relate to sometimes this fear of making mistakes or not getting things right. Many thanks. Thank you. It was very interesting actually to reflect on this and you brought very interesting questions. So I appreciate it. I hope we can do it again soon. <laughs> listening if you like this episode i will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and if you're feeling extra generous i welcome a review on apple podcasts show notes of this episode are in the website playing it safe that's on make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing it safe actions see you soon <laughs>